a gloomy Sunday morning in 1580. The sun is just out of reach on the horizon. You and your brothers in arms struggle to keep up with the resistance. The more you kill, the mightier they become. You have faced the Spanish Armada before, but this is nothing like you have ever seen. Don't give up. Keep pushing. You keep reminding yourself. They surround you from all sides. In a last-ditch effort, you and the remaining 15 charge through the battlefield against the hundreds of fast-replacing Spanish troops. Go, go, go! You aim for an unsuspecting enemy and down him with a thud. The adrenaline in your veins pump through the roof. You feel nothing. You look at his face and see the horror in his eyes. You swing your sword with a surgeon's precision. The blinding pain shoots through your abdomen. You look down and find a sword sticking out from your gut. You were so occupied by the thought of killing the one on the ground that you did not see the soldier who crept upon your left. The blood seeps out like a waterfall as you fall to the ground. Your vision blurs as your whole life flashes in front of you. Your world goes dark as the rays of the sun slowly lights up every inch of the battlefield. The Dutch is one of the most prosperous countries in the European continent now. But that was not the case back in the 16th century. It was not even an independent country as it came under the Spanish. Before Spanish occupation, they used to trade spices procured from the Portuguese, who virtually owned every major spice port in the East. But the trade was cut off when the Spanish took control of them in 1580. But that did not stop them. They still went on to build an empire that became an unstoppable force for over 2 centuries. Welcome to another episode of Writer and Geek Show. This time we are going to talk about the Dutch colonialism in India, but uh, we are going to include a lot more about how Dutch used to trade and go about with their ways uh, during those times. So, without further ado, let's get into it. So. The Netherlands currently is one of the prosperous countries in the uh, European continent, right? Yeah, and I mean uh, th- that's true. And um, I think some people confuse Netherlands and Holland. They use the term Holland for mentioning complete Netherlands as a country, but Holland is just one of the provinces of Netherlands, which I got to know um, after my school, I think. Okay, so the Dutch and Netherlands and Holland are three different things. No, so Netherlands is the country. Mm. Okay, Holland is one part of Netherlands. Okay, and Dutch is how you refer anything that comes out of Netherlands. Like the people of Netherlands are called Dutch. The food from Netherlands will be called Dutch food. The music from Netherlands will be called Dutch music and stuff like that. Not weird at But all. But there is no country called Dutch. But the cricket team they had, it was called Holland. Like back in the days, no Netherlands. Netherlands. See, this is the thing, right? We used to call them Holland, Holland. but oh. the team, uh, the official name of the team was Netherlands. 
Uh, so we were we were the ones who messed up. So before up. we start, what, when I, when you say Netherlands, what comes to your mind? Um, like bicycles and the holistic <laughs> trip we can take <laughs> yeah. there. You know, you get in touch with nature and just chill out. Right. What what does uh, what are the things that comes to your mind? My mind, yeah, uh, coffee shops. <laughs> if you know what I what yeah, coffee shop yeah. means, then windmills, beautiful uh, natural scenery, and Max Verstappen. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, not not a good thought but yeah. They they also have like huge tulip farms. That's what I've heard. Yes. And and uh, trade uh, tulips. Yeah. And orange is their favorite color. That is because they descended from a family which was called orange family or something like that. So they okay. decided to make it. So uh, orange, orange is the new black for But the, the funny thing is their flag doesn't have orange. Yeah. Their flag is basically French flag rotated 90 degrees to the left. It's fair. It's red and blue. Maybe because the French they had uh, do we call them the French or just French? French. French, right? Yeah. So the French, yeah, yeah I, I think know, the I'm French. Sure. <laughs> Whatever. The we'll, French, yes. Yeah. yeah. So the French had actually invaded them back in the day. So no, maybe that's the why they, yeah, they left the flag. <laughs> they were like, you know what? When they left Netherlands, they were like lazy enough to like make a new flag. So they were like, you know what? Take it and just rotate it. it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, even though it's one of the most prosperous countries in the world right now so back in 1500s or the 16th century um, Netherlands what they used to do is like they used to trade spices all across Europe mm. and that uh, that doesn't mean that they used to go to like east asia and get procure spice and other stuff from there and come back and deliver it to like different countries in the uh, european continent instead they used to go to portugal lisbon mm-hmm. the capital of uh, portugal and uh, the portuguese used to be good at this trade like as we uh, mentioned in the earlier episode right. vasco da gama started the trade route from india so what netherlands used to do is like they used to go to lisbon portugal procure whatever uh, the portuguese has got from uh, india and other parts of uh, east asia and they used to sell it across the continent so the portuguese were like the wholesale dealers and yeah. uh, the dutch were the retail Retailers. dealers okay yeah so that's what they used to do but things took a turn when the spanish came and they invaded uh, netherlands in the in the year 1580 so that completely cut off their connection with portugal and they were like okay they had to do something to start new trade and let the country float uh, country's economy float so what they used to do is like they used to set up single single independent de- uh, decentralized companies which would send uh, one or two ships at a time to asia and procure spices textile and all, all those kind of uh, trade materials and uh, but there was a huge risk involved in this because out of 65 ships which were sent to asia from 1595 to 1601 one would never even come back <laughs> and those who came back it would come back with only one third of its crew so right. it used to be that dangerous so when people invest in these kind of single single companies small companies what happens is that most of the times they lose the shipment the ship won't come back and they lose whatever investment they had made i think one of the reasons that it was so dangerous was that the trip was really long because they had to go around africa Yeah. There was no Suez Canal at that time. Yeah. These days you can just cut across Mediterranean, cross through the Arabian Peninsula and reach India. Those days it was not there. And that in fact makes me think, right? I am quite happy that I was born during this time uh, in the existence of the world because we don't have to face many of the problems. So when we start complaining about things that we don't have, we are living in much more luxury than any king who has lived during that time, right? 
Yeah, so whenever you complain, just look at history and you will find some reasons why you should be happy that you are living in in the present. One of the things you can think about is having toilets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we bring that up, I think, in almost all the episodes. <laughs> it is <laughs> important, yeah, it, it, right? Yeah, sanitation is <laughs> one of the most important things. So, yeah, that's true. So, the Dutch figured that, you know, they have to do something about it and not let like single, single small companies sell, uh, send their ships to Asia because... Uh, the chances were so less for them to come back. So in uh, 1602, under the leadership of their prime minister, then prime minister, Johan van Oldenbarnveld. Yeah, that's the pronunciation <laughs> I had actually checked it out on YouTube. Cool. <laughs> so uh, they, they were like, okay, we'll unite all these small companies mm-hmm. and build a big company and let them give them all the power. Let them be centralized, have the ability to like take administrative decisions and trade anywhere they want. They can sign treaties. They can build an army and uh, occupy lands and like even enforce slavery. So that's mm-hmm. how the United East India Company came into existence. Right. We call it Dutch East India Company, but it was actually named United East India Company. To I be honest, it was not even United East India Company. <laughs> it was called VOC. The abbreviation of that, I think I shouldn't pronounce because it will be... The assembly hall was oddly quiet, except for a few faint murmurs. Your habit of scribbling on paper while being nervous was at its worst today. Prime Minister Johann van Oldenbarnevelt was late as usual, and you could cut the tension in the room with a knife. He finally makes an entrance. You send some things off, but can't quite place it. The rest of the members also share questioning and nervous glances at each other. What is going on? It takes a few moments to notice what's odd. Why is he cheerful? Isn't today supposed to be one of the most important days in his political career? Aren't we living under the terrible rule of the Spanish? Isn't he supposed to make a final decision on the future of the companies? Alden Barnevelt steps onto the podium and speaks. I know why you are nervous. I can understand why you are confused. Yes, today we make one of the greatest decisions of our lives. A decision that hangs in balance the future of the companies and also our empire. And I know exactly what to do. He pauses. We are going to establish our own trade routes, build our own trading stations, markets and supply chain He glances across the room, making eye contact with everyone, by acquiring all the companies and forming a single large company. The room erupts in confusion. In a second, it transformed from an assembly hall to a chaotic local market. You see the troubled members, and it makes you wonder how this is the decision that is going to help your country rebuild. Where is Alton Barnevelt going to find the capital to run such a company? Who is going to handle the transition? How is he going to convince the companies? And even if they are convinced, how exactly is this going to help the economy? Your mind gets cluttered with many questions. 
but at the back of your head you know this is never going to work but little did you know this decision would not only save the empire and its people but also prove to be the cornerstone of modern capitalism I think the reason it is called Dutch East India Company now is to probably differentiate it from the English East India Company which came into existence. Yeah, now, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But uh, and there is like a kind of a misconception that probably the Dutch East India Company later transformed into the East India Company. That is what I thought. Maybe yeah. they had a war between English and the Dutch and then English decided to take over the East that India Company. That did happen, but they couldn't take over mm. uh, The, the Dutch India. Another system. funny thing is that I realized there was a Dutch West India Company as well, which was setting up its operation in Manhattan in uh, the New America. Yeah, time, yeah. Right? If you if you check out the podcast, I think American American history tellers. History tellers yeah, yeah, they talk about extensively. That about is really this. interesting because I never knew all this history of, and many of the places were named after the uh, after Wall Dutch, Street. Right? Yeah, Wall Street was named yeah, by the because Dutch. there was a wall which was separate yeah. or something. It's interesting. Go and listen to it if you like history. Yeah. So this happened, and the Prime Minister. and his cabinet members set up dutch east india company so where would they get the money and resources to back this up so they came up with this idea that people can invest in voc we'll refer i think moving forward we'll refer mm. united east india company as voc uh, so the uh, people can invest in voc by buying shares okay Ooh. and they won't get returns right away mm-hmm. once the ships go trade and come back and sell it and get money then they can you know during after maturity they can uh, they can redeem it back so that's how the first stock market came into existence you know so voc was the first publicly traded company in the whole world wow so there we have one more thing that we can thank the dutch, dutch people for cool so every time you invest in stock market think about the dutch Yeah so it was a success even though they thought that people were like little skeptical about it but during the initial public offering the shares of uh, total shares of VOC went for around 110 million dollars in uh, the present wow. rate yes so that's <laughs> what happened so they brought together all the small companies and built a big company and let them trade across asia and uh, so what happens is that because they have so many ships even if one or two out of like 50 one or two does not come back the people who have invested does not lose much mm. so overall it was a win win for situation for everyone so under spanish occupation uh, they started the uh, company voc and the dutch came to india in 1605 and they set up a factory their first factory was uh, set up in masuli patnam mm-hmm. uh, which is present day andhra pradesh then they fought the portuguese and took over a factory at uh, nagapatnam they spread through the colonial world was like really fast right. so they 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 were not just interested in india they also went to uh, indonesia because they have a wide variety of textile mm-hmm. and all those kind of coffee? stuff they can trade with coffee i'm not sure i couldn't fig- find out anywhere uh, the mention of coffee i d- i know that we did one coffee episode and it's bad that we don't remember <laughs> the stuff yeah. but when did coffee reach europe i think it should be around that time right uh, i think it was around 1600s that coffee reached europe also i i have yeah. no recollection about before that this. there was no coffee imagine a life without coffee i like you i wake can't up in the anymore. morning there is nothing to do 
but uh, i think when we were young we used to drink only tea right that is because we didn't know what coffee yeah, was yeah, and so, especially in kerala i think it is it is more of a tea state yeah, yeah. but i think karnataka and uh, maybe even uh, tamil nadu it's more of a coffee kind of a, yeah yeah, yeah. coffee yeah. is more popular in yeah. these states Uh, but yeah i remember even though i didn't like tea i used to drink that tea. is just because i wanted to eat biscuit with tea that tea that oh all. yeah yeah so uh, after uh, taking the factory from uh, portuguese they also went up and set up a factory in pulikat uh, tamil nadu in 1610 then uh, they they conquered present day visakhapatnam and set up a factory there in 19- 1614 so their expansion was like rapid in 1627 they set up a factory in bengal and surat in 1616 and finally they reached even kochi in yeah. 1663 so portuguese had occupied kochi mm-hmm. but uh, they again went and fought the portuguese and took it over from them yeah that's one thing that i was thinking about and i probably i'll refer to this again in uh, future episodes when we come to english conquest as well if you go to kochi right there are these influences in many aspects like even in the food you will find an amalgamation of portuguese dutch english kind of cuisines and stuff like that in some of the places there is this moka art cafe which is opposite to the jewish uh, synagogue in fort kochi that place uh, there is a chef there the, a, la- a lady i don't remember her name she is well versed in all this uh, portuguese dutch english and somehow russian cooking as well so if you go there you can find stuff that you don't find anywhere else to eat we uh, went there together yeah. right i remember the chocolate cake like pretty vividly right so yeah that's a uh, it's a, it's a old uh, what is that it was a workshop or something uh, not workshop warehouse yeah it was a warehouse it it's was a, portuguese it's a 600 no 400 or 500 year old warehouse which was existing at that so time so 1600s yep Yeah. I think it would have been used by the Portuguese yeah, or something yeah, and yeah, later yeah. by Dutch and what not. Yeah, the Dutch conquered in uh, 1663 uh, so yeah pretty sure it was the Portuguese who were there. Compared to the Portuguese, yeah they did trade in spices but they were more interested in textiles. Mm-hmm. For example silk used to be something they used to trade abundantly and they used to like trade with China and even Indonesia. Mm-hmm. During this time we had Portuguese French, Dutch, and British sharing colonies in India, and of course they used to fight each other a lot. So they figured out that it's it won't be profitable if they just keep on fighting. So the Dutch and the British they came into a compromise, saying that the British will take over the colonies in India, and uh, the Dutch who had more profitable business in uh, Ambonia, which is like present day Indonesia, and they'll take over that area. this was uh, during like late uh, 1600 uh, 1600s or like 1700s and uh, during their occupation in india right they used to, as i said they used to trade in silk due to like monopolization of their trade they used to earn around like 1500% more on what they used to buy it for wow so voc became one of the largest companies in the world one of the wealthiest uh, companies in the world and at their peak they had had around 1772 ships and it was worth around 7.9 billion dollars of today's money of today's money Damn. but uh, over the years a lot of events happened which led to mm. their demise such as in 1749 you know martanda varma right the king of travancore which one which one i don't know there are many <laughs> see so, i have heard these tales uh, from our mom's place in trivandrum if you go there You remember our grandma used to talk about Martha and Varma. Apparently, our ancestral house in um, Trivandrum, near Tinkara. Yeah, it is pretty old, 
and there is an uh, adjacent house where our one of our aunts stays currently with the temple and stuff like that that house is supposed to be really old i don't know by really old i think it might be around 100 200 or something yeah old. see there was a house which was like at least no, like some exactly. 200 300 yeah. years old they have actually they renovated, renovated it. it it's yeah. not the same house yeah, yeah. but the house which was there before is there since generations i think it could have been even more than 300 yeah, uh, years 300 because And then there is this story that uh, Martha and Avarma was chased by the British or Someone, someone. You never know because and they also he, don't know which colonial power it yeah, was. Yeah, and he came and hid in the house and stuff. There, are, there is a lot of story, backstory, maybe probably for another day and another podcast. So when I heard that story, I thought Martha and Avarma is name of a king. But actually, that's not true. Any king who becomes a king of Travancore carries the name Martha and Avarma. So... there are multiple martanda varmas and i don't know which one yeah this. i figured that out late also and the research i couldn't figure out which martanda varma hmm. i think we can figure out by looking at the date and hmm. see who was and yeah. they were so in this hindu tradition you if you're born on a particular day there is a particular star sign assigned to you right so all these martanda varmas used to have their star signs in their name and that oh, is yeah, how yeah. you identify like martanda varma kartika tirunal chitra tirunal yeah. so kartika and chitra are names of the star uh, the things attached to their uh, yeah. birth yeah so that's how people used to differentiate they would have a real name but they were addressed by this because they were royal highness yeah so uh, in 1741 during the battle of kulachal what happened was that martanda varma he defeated the dutch which is like a big deal and that's how their disintegration started in colonial india and in 1784 uh, the anglo dutch war happened and uh, the britishers they beat the dutch and that's when they came across this compromise theory where they'll move to indonesia right. and leave colonial india so i was just googling uh, while you were talking Which, what was the date you said 1740s For, uh, 1741 yeah so during 1741 uh, it was martha and avarma aniram tirunal uh, and it is written here that he defeated dutch forces at battle of kolachal in 1741 so aniram tirunal great yep. achievement man brilliant very proud of you <laughs> and in uh, 1795 so the french uh, revolution happened in 1770s 1776 no or? Yeah, seventeen seventy-six yeah. was American Revolution. Yeah, yeah. So seventeen eighties, I 80s think. Eighties or uh, somewhere around yeah. that. Seventeen seventies to like seventeen nineties. But for some reason, in my mind, French Revolution seems to be very much distant in distant past. But American Revolution seems to be something modern. Yeah, but it used to be at the same time. Probably like uh, I think there is a ten-year difference between both of. Probably the technology they used to kill people is what was different because Americans used guns, right? These guys used guillotine. <laughs> <laughs> I think the king also died. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the guy who invented guillotine right yeah he also was executed using the same uh, machine that he invented yeah so getting back to the point like in 1795 uh, the independent french republic they invaded dutch <laughs> so <laughs> i think that was in the agenda while getting freedom you know what once we get the freedom first thing we have to do is invade dutch yeah so like in 1580 Spanish invaded the Dutch and they had to start VOC and do their own trade and stuff and once they uh, I'm not really sure uh, which year they threw Spanish out of Dutch out of uh, the country Netherlands, Netherlands yes. yeah I think I've written it somewhere in the show notes but I can't figure it out so yeah they That's okay some point of time they left yeah some point of time they had to leave and uh, but by the end of like 1790s the French came and they invaded Netherlands So by 1799 VOC went bankrupt. When was Napoleon ruling France? 
very good question it was after the revolution right or it was it, it was after yeah, it the was, revolution because, like uh, he was in the 1800s right i it think was so in the 1800s. because in the before revolution it was all louis who were ruling the louis yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. french right yeah 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 so that napoleon, name itself napoleon, is funny right yeah napoleon is dead. it would have been not funny if it was louis louis yeah. sounds a little better yeah, yeah. that's what i thought it was but it's pronounced louis and i think napoleon uh, did not belong to that family at all so i think he's in 1800 somewhere i'm i'm surprised that we don't know when which era that is yeah i don't know much about napoleon to be honest mm. i yeah. i know that he was exiled to the island of saint helena which is in middle of atlantic ocean with nothing around him wow. and he was put in a mansion there and this there is a speculation or there is a conspiracy theory that says that the walls were painted with the paint which had lead in it led or some other arsenic or something which slowly poisoned him uh, you know over the months and he almost became crazy by the end of his life right? i think so and he died there yeah i think he staged a coup later on in france uh, but it failed ah see, then i think he, so yeah, that, yeah. this means we have to look it up because yeah. i am very yeah yeah let's you know i'm not good at napoleon same here same here so like coming back so in uh, 1799 voc went bankrupt and they lost their foothold in colonial asia and in 1825 they lost their final post in india and they had to leave so uh, maybe that is the reason that even though during the independence also and even today right you see a lot of places which have these european influences like french had their influence in pondicherry and mahi mahi is a part of kerala as well and portuguese have their influence on goa daman diu and all those uh, union territories and british were overall right yeah <laughs> <laughs> and but you don't see uh, i don't know if there is a place which has this dutch heritage right like it was not a, there is no dutch colony in india when india was getting free some influences there in kochi because uh, yeah kochi yes because uh, they they threw out portuguese 